The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Yeah, buddy, welcome to another installment of the Functional Sportsaholic, or as we like to call it, the Sports Talk Revolution. We are proud partners of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network, and through that great partnership, you can also hear us on podcast one. You are listening to Sean Ryan and Sam Van Dam. Sam, what's going on, my man? What is up, my dude? Just trying to finish out the year. Oh, I know, man. It's like it's the worst. It's like the worst time. So I work. I work from home now. Um, but like way back in the day, I used to work. Um, you know, work at a, at a desk job, just like everybody else in the world. You know, usually does. And you know, one of my favorite things of the year was like um, right around Thanksgiving, like people would start taking vacation time. And there are a few days a year where you show up and nobody's there. Like there's only like three people in the office, and it's quiet. And nobody's asking me questions. Nobody's coming into my office. And uh, and I used to get a lot of stuff done. Um, and it was a beautiful thing. But, uh, right. you know, now that I work from home, you know, it's it, you know, it's like that every day, I guess. And so now I'm spoiled. <laughs> no, man. And now I work from home like two days out of the week. And but I, I feel I still feel that pain, you know, and and. But, I mean, the deadlines are still there. You still got stuff due by the end of the year and, you know, trying to figure it all in. And then you're like, damn, uh, Christmas is like two weeks away. It's, it's kind of crazy. Man. I know. It's um, so my wife thinks to, um, you know, like her her family, her parents got divorced when she was super young. So she has two different families. I have my family. So we have like, you know, we have like like something seriously. We have like 40 people to buy for in Christmas and um it's like you know taking on another project you know it's like project management i need to like go out and schedule everything out and then figure out like when i want the money to hit my credit card and all that stuff right. and uh, goodness it's uh, it's a pain but you know it's yeah, part but of the can, season can you, can you talk about that sweet secret santa gift you uh... oh yeah so we did a secret santa gift i can't um i can't divulge who i got or what i got um but i got from sam i got um a lot of Home Alone references. I got a Nero's Pizza <laughs> shirt, which is baller. I got the um, the other shirt, the gray shirt. For for the life of me, I can't remember what was on it, but that was the best of the shirts. It was. Um, it's, um, make it three. I'm not driving. Ah. <laughs> and ice cream scoop. The ice cream from Home Alone two. The ice cream Sunday two. Make it three. I'm not driving. And then I got the uh, turtle doves, which was uh, you know trip, chipped in the mail. So I'm going to be filing my fifty dollar claim against the USPS. Perfect. There you go. Game the system, baby. Don't let the system game you. That's it. All right. So what do we got today? Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably get into some shenanigans a little bit later. Uh, you know, first things first, we'll start the uh, start the show. I interviewed Pat Lane, um, you know, SB Nation contributor, uh, Patriot Pulpit writer, um, also podcast host. We'll get into him, talk a lot about the Patriots. We had a, you know, this episode drops on Friday, but, um, you know, in week 14, we had that crazy lateral in Miami to end the game. That was a, that was a pretty interesting interview. Um, very, very good insight from that. So we'll, we'll air that, um, to start the show, but you know, we have some, uh, some other NFL news, some other NBA news and, uh, you know, whatever, whatever else transpires. Um, I also got to say, Sam, I actually, um, I got the, I submitted the book, the baseball book, the fantasy baseball book for publishing. Okay. Okay. Um, so hopefully with any luck, um, it gets approved and accepted on the first run and, and hopefully it's available, um, as, uh, as our listeners are listening to this show. So if you're listening to the show, everybody, I'm going to put it on discount. Um, if your fantasy baseball is your thing, um, and you purchase the fantasy football almanac, it's the same kind of template. I brought in, uh, Eric, the baseball llama who we've had on the show a number of times. Uh, he is our, my, my, basically my key baseball scout guy. We put on our, our, our analytics, you know, we, we compiled some stuff. We put the same cool, you know, draft guide, strategy guide together. We have all that stuff in there. Uh, so the format is uh, is about the same, and it's going to be cheaper, and it's in time for Christmas. And of course, you know, I know, you know, people who aren't familiar with the, the football almanac, they might be asking, why in the world 
would I buy a fantasy baseball book for 2019 so early in the offseason when so many things are still happening, free agency, winter meetings, all that stuff? Well, the the real thing is, everybody, like it, the, the book is just a piece of it. What you really get is uh, updated rankings throughout the offseason. You get um, advice from both me and Eric um, directly. Um, we have instructions within the book. So it's really a, a fantasy baseball consultancy. It's a service. It's not just a book. The book is one component, and everything else is included in the price. So once again, go to Amazon, uh, search for um, you know functional sportsaholic is you know one of the contributing authors you can search for Sean Ryan you can search for Eric Zimmerman whatever if you want to search for the book it's called fantasy baseball almanac you can also go to our website uh, it is functional sportsaholic.com you can find all the information everywhere there so again hopefully it, it drops on Friday but if it isn't it will be out soon and we'll have it on discount um, throughout the uh, throughout the Christmas season so uh, happy purchasing everybody now uh, now it's hold on one sec yeah. now it's one thing to have your name on there but to have the baseball Lama mm-hmm. name on there is a whole nother thing. That guy is unbelievable. That yeah, I, money <laughs> and you know, like baseball. The guy knows stuff like five years down the line. You know, so yeah, in could, the, pick that up, man. If you're into you know fantasy baseball or just baseball in general, and wanna want to learn some stuff, man, grab that. Yeah. The cool thing about, you know, baseball is, you know, my Sam, my thing is football. Um, I know football right. at the back of my hand. Um, you know, Eric knows baseball to just a whole other degree. I mean, he knows farm systems for every team. So we have some, you know, contributing some, uh, some high risers. So if you're like a dynasty player, we have, you know, people that are going to be hitting, you know, the major leagues, the rule five players, all that stuff. Uh, you know, the people that, uh, that, that are going to be hitting the, the rosters, later in the season and then also just you know people that might be in uh, two way that that could get a chance a cup of coffee later in the season and pop so it's not only about the players and then Eric wrote all of the player write-ups um you know I edited heavily of course um but uh but he wrote all the write-ups he is in charge of all the baseball scouting so uh it's yeah man it's uh it's definitely an interesting read even if even if you're just wondering about what's going to be coming up in the season um so right. we got that for you but anyway sam let's go ahead and let's go to the uh to the interview with pat lane we'll go ahead and air that now all right we're here with pat lane patriots writer for the pat's pulpit and host of patriot nation podcast pat how you doing buddy Good, man. How's it going? Uh, going all right. I bet you'd be doing a lot better if it weren't for that lateral, huh, man? <laughs> I certainly would, yeah. <laughs> so, man, take me through it. So I read, I read through your article. I know you're, um, you're kind of hanging out at a Christmas party. As, as we all, you know, Sam and I on this show, we talk about, you know, some of our family obligations and everything. I know you're a diligent guy and you watched uh, most, if not all, of the game already. But tell, take me through the, the, the lateral itself, man. What was going through your head? So, well, the, so here's the crazy part is that I'm listening. I, my daughter had Girl Scouts, so we were kind of running around. And so I was at a Christmas party and then I ran to Girl Scouts and I dropped my daughter off and I'm waiting in between Girl Scouts and we're watching the game and I see the Patriots stop the, the, the Dolphins on third down to get the ball back with a few minutes left to go in the game. And I'm like, all right, all they got to do is kill some of the clock and we're good to go. So mm-hmm. now I'm listening as I'm driving there, I'm listening they kick the field goal, and I'm like, oh, thank God, I'm five. I go in to pick her up at Girl Scouts, and while I'm waiting, you know, people, they're talking about what the next meeting, and I'm like, it just would you just end the stupid thing so I can, whatever. <laughs> so I get a call from my wife in while I'm there, and she's like, oh, my God, can you believe they just lost? And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And so I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And she said they did a ladder. I'm like, oh, my God. So, of course, you know, I went back and watched it. But it just, oh, it just absolutely. And, it, you know, I'm like, I got to go hung up on her. I was like so mad. But I was like, what? you know, it, was not, it wasn't her fault. But I was like, I can't, I can't believe it happened. <laughs> and uh, it's one of I actually I just finished writing an article for the pulpit that will be out um, while we're recording Monday night. We'll peek behind the curtain. We'll be out Tuesday morning. Uh, and it was about the play, basically, and and how it was. It was a coaching. It was a hundred percent a coaching error. They had they rushed four guys on the play, which mm. is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, they got seventy yards to go with seven seconds left. Why are you rushing four guys? And then they had they had Gronk in there, which was just incalculably stupid. <laughs> because it's like you know, I understand you know if you're going to throw a long pass, but 
Ryan Tannehill's not throwing the ball 80 yards right. in the air. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it was so a lapse. You know, of, for sure. I was yeah, thinking it was a lapse of judgment because, like, the um, exactly what you said. I mean, when when maybe if they're at the 50 yard line, they're, they're doing a Hail Mary, right? But from, right. The, from the 30 yard line, when they have to go 70 yards or whatever it was, 80 yards, whatever, you know, Tannehill, very few people have that kind of arm strength, right? And, right. um, and and even if they have the arm strength, they have to throw it more on a line than on a you know a teardrop type thing like Aaron Rodgers does, has done uh, successfully right. over the last couple of years. So Gronk back there, yeah, man, it was a head scratcher for sure. I mean, it's it's almost like if if it had been anyone but Gronk in that situation, <laughs> they probably make that play. And it's, I mean, really, I mean, you look at it and you just say, if if it's Matthew Slater or Cordero Patterson. Or Devin McCourty, who they took out for Gronk that play, they probably make that play. And but again, you go back and say, okay, from the forty-five yard line past the forty-five, there were two guys past the forty-five yard line that were deeper than the forty-five, and it was Deron Harmon and Gronk, and they were on opposite ends of the field. And so Harmon has to stay on the other end because he has to stop the pitch. Well, then once Drake cuts it back, he cut it inside at the forty-yard line, and he had one guy to beat, and that was Gronk. <laughs> And it's like, how could you be that? Like, just it's 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 unimaginable that you would play that bad of defense that you would have one guy to beat at the forty yard line. And it's like, I mean, if I'm I'm throwing six guys back inside the twenty, why not? I mean, what are they going to do? Right. Run around all you want, but you can't. You have to be able to score. And it's just, oh god, it's yeah. it's insane. And, and really, like I said, I mean, and. The guy that screwed up the most execution-wise was J.C. Jackson, and, and I don't want to get you know too far into the semantics of it, but essentially he's got the left-hand side of the defense. The ball comes in to Stills kind of in the middle, and as the ball comes in, he rushes, rushes to the middle to basically make a play. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Stills flips it to Parker, and Parker heads out to where Jackson just was, and now Jackson's chasing him. So when Jackson when um when Parker flips it to Drake, yeah. Jackson's trailing him still, and so it's like he would have been in that spot with Parker and made that toss a lot more challenging for him to get it to Drake. And so, you know, it's just one of those things. And Van Noy made a great play on it, but he was rushing the passer. He chased down Drake and almost made the tackle right, at almost, like the forty-five. Yeah. If he's ten yards back in coverage instead of rushing the passer. He makes that play and the game's over. You know, if it's anyone else other than Gronk, he makes that play and the game's over. If, you know, if J.C. Jackson doesn't screw that up, he probably ends the game. So it's like there's, you know, there are three things. And again, you know, only one of those is execution. The rest of it is just coaching and, and bad alignment and bad, bad scheme. It was, uh, you know, a brain fart by Brady in the, at the end of the first half cost some points. And then a brain fart by Belichick at the end of the game cost him the game. And you just look back and you say – Wow, like the, you're talking about the two best ever, right. and they're the ones that lost the game for the Patriots, and it's it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the silver lining here is there aren't many times where both uh, Brady and Belichick have, yeah. have crapped the bed in a game. And, you know, I mean, the losses for the Patriots and Patriots fans are few th- few and far between. And, you know, I know we talked a little bit more on the lateral than I thought we were going to, but just to just to kind of tie a, tie a ribbon on this, a couple things kind of amuse me about this play. I know the win for you. I mean, for, for you, I mean, this was yesterday. As, as our listeners know, we record this on a Monday night. Um, Sam and I record on uh, Wednesday nights, and then uh, we, we release the show on Friday. So hopefully for you Pats fans okay. listening, the, 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 the Band-Aid has been ripped off, and you're not as... <laughs> Is, you know, it's not as visceral as it is for poor Pat right now, but a couple of things amused me. Um, you know, one, of course, is Gronk. I mean, you got to think of like what, what's going on in his head. Like when, when he sees all this stuff developing, he's got to be thinking, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, right? <laughs> and, uh, and you yep. can see it, man. You can see it in the stumble. You can see like he was completely overmatched. You know, it's like, um, oh, my gosh, it was so funny. It's like, you know, like a really bad high school football team against going, going against like a team of stars or something like that. It's just like, oh, my gosh, this is not going to end well. The other thing that I found amusing is like Drake, and I think you touched on this a little bit, is Drake um, – Sorry, I got a little bit of feedback there, but we'll keep moving. Um, so Drake got the ball, and like you said, he almost got tackled there, and he was prepared to pitch the ball, and he looked up, and he's just like, "There's one person there. I'm, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and take this." And he just ran past everybody. Just it, it, amusing. But I will say this too for Miami: 
is, you know, I, I've seen a couple of lateral plays this year. One earlier in the season, it didn't work out for Tampa Bay, was similar. Um, they ran Jameis Winston on, like, basically a quarterback draw, full speed up the middle, and then uh, and then he lateraled, I think, to Deshaun Jackson, and Jackson, it, like, hit the ground. He couldn't come up with it, but he would have been in the end zone. And these double pitches that throw it with pace to the sideline have been working this year, and I find it very interesting. But anyway, there's uh, there's enough X's oh, and O's, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's definitely it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's move it. So let me ask you this. Um, I, I would see another silver lining here is that um, you know for the Patriots and Patriots fans, I don't really think this game is too debilitating, right? I, I think one thing that you can count on, especially in recent years, um, count on, I should say, is that Miami and uh, and Gase, you know, they they seem to give Belichick and the Patriots trouble, and they always seem to sneak. Um, I, I don't want to say meaningless because I know there are playoff, you know, seed ramifications, and it certainly wasn't meaningless. But they seem to always sneak one of these like late in the season games out. And I think maybe even on last week on the Get Paid podcast, I had um, I might have taken the Miami. I don't know if I had the the stones to actually lay down and put money on them. <laughs> But um, I did. Um, I did say, look, you know, Gase always gives Belichick fits, and uh, they match up well. But let me ask you this: moving forward, right? I know the Patriots are going to bounce back. They're notoriously resilient. They have great coaching. Mm-hmm. We're we're looking forward to the playoffs and everything. How do you see the rest of the regular season and the playoffs shaking out? Do any matchups concern you? Um, you know, what do you see as a Patriots fan and a Patriots, you know, writer? So it's a great question. And, and to, to hit to your first point about Miami giving them trouble, Tom Brady has eight career road losses in December eight, wow. which is ridiculous in and of itself. He out of those eight career playoff, out of those eight career road losses in December, six of them are, have been in Miami. <laughs> wow. So he just can't win in Miami, <laughs> especially in December for whatever reason, he just struggles there. So, you know, that definitely, you know, going into it, going into the season, I looked at that game and said, that's going to be a problem just because it's Miami. <laughs> sure, they, sure. I mean, you look, you look at the old four team who might've been one of the best teams I've ever seen. And they had a they had an eleven point lead with like two fifteen left to go in the game and lost in Miami <laughs> to a three and eleven Miami team. So they just I mean that's one of those things you just say well that's just it's just a place to play. And so uh, as far as matchups are concerned, I actually think I actually think the the loss actually benefits the Patriots. I think the two best teams in the AFC outside of the Patriots are the Chiefs. And the Chargers, and they might just be the two best teams in sure. the AFC. Forget about anyone else. So the only thing that can happen is you don't want to have to play both of them. Well, San Diego, or I yeah, say, I know LA, I, do it all, I do it all the time. <laughs> it's brutal. So LA is going to be the five seed, probably, unless they knock off. What they could, they could knock off the Chiefs on Thursday night. Sure. I believe they're playing this Thursday night. So the winner of that division is going to be the five seed. I'm sorry, the loser of that division is going to be the five seed. The winner of that division more than likely is going to be the number one seed. Well, as long as the Texans stay in the third spot and win their first game, you got Houston coming here for the divisional round, and you got the Chargers and Chiefs playing in the, in the divisional game. The winner of that playing, obviously, the Patriots or the Texans, whoever wins that game. The Patriots have owned the Texans. Now, the Texans are a good team. They're hot, everything else, whatever. I'll take my chances with the Texans. Yeah, Absolutely. We have, but to be able to only play the Chiefs or the Chargers is huge. If you're the number one seed, now you got to play both of them. And that, I think, is where they'd get into trouble. So only having to play one is huge. And so it's one of those interesting things where it's like, yes, it's a loss and it hurts and it's terrible and painful and everything else. But in the grand scheme of things, may wind up helping the Patriots more than anything else because they get to play an easier schedule to get to the Super Bowl again. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a great point, and I hadn't even thought about that. Um, and I agree with you. I mean, at this point, I would say the Chiefs and the, the Chargers are probably my two favorite teams. I, I think the Steelers are good, but they don't really – I don't know. They, it, they they haven't been playing very well um, as of late, and I know Roethlisberger's been a little banged up. The, it, I don't know. I mean, that's it, going to be an interesting game. I know they play this week, um, and, uh, you know, we'll see. But I, I tend to think the Patriots are – I'm still waiting on the, the, the spread to come out in that game, but I'm going to take the Patriots no matter what the spread is. Is. I know Roethlisberger, they're trying to figure it out, but I'm sure Roethlisberger will play, spoiler alert. Um, oh, yeah. I imagine the Patriots will probably be favored by three, and then I'm going to take the Patriots to cover. That's There's there's my spoiler for the Get Paid podcast. But um, 
you know, I, I have to say that uh, the Chargers right now are probably the best, but I think the, the Patriots are probably back to the best team in the conference and my Super Bowl favorite, which I wasn't saying that before the whole Kareem Hunt thing that we already broke down last week, and, you know, we won't go too yeah. far down to it this time. I, you know, I thought the, the the Chiefs would give the Patriots the biggest matchup. Um, I didn't think that, you know, I love Andy Reid as a coach. Obviously, I think Belichick is the GOAT there, um, but I didn't think that the Belichick advantage was as pronounced or is as pronounced with Andy Reid. But without the running game in Kansas City. I like the Patriots in that matchup, um, which was already a tough matchup for both teams anyway. Um, right. The Chargers, I actually think in terms of talent, I like the Chargers a little bit more than both teams, but I think the coaching is less there. I'm not I'm not enamored with the coaching staff there. So I am I right. am very tentatively uh, picking the Patriots at this point for, for the Super Bowl, but uh, you know, who knows? It's a safe choice, right? I mean, they've been there for like, you know, nine out of 10 it years. Is. Yeah, I mean seven straight AFC Championship games. It's 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 a little ridiculous at this point. Yeah. And the Steelers haven't beaten the Patriots. Just to your point, Steelers haven't beaten the Patriots since 2011. And so they don't. You know, the Patriots pretty much handle the Steelers when they play them. Um, so the Steelers don't concern me really at all. Sure. Even before they started playing, not so well. And so you know, we'll see if James Conner plays uh, next weekend because he's hurt. And so you know, there's the questions about whether or not he'll play. Mm-hmm. And you know, Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger. Like yeah. I'm expecting him to play just because that's what he does. I mean, they said he was out for the game, and then he shows back up and you know leads them on a <laughs> leads them on a touchdown drive. Right? So it's yeah. just that's what Roethlisberger does. So I'm not, you know, I look at that and say, okay, Roethlisberger's <laughs> playing, but then. It's, you know, the other guys around them and how, you know, how banged up are they going to be and everything else. And so and it for whatever reason, it's just it's it's almost like the Patriots and Dolphins. It's like when the Steelers play the Patriots, they just can't get over the hump and beat sure. them. And it's ridiculous things that happen, just like the game last year where you like the, the the Steelers couldn't possibly lose that game. And he throws that interception in the end zone. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and it's the same thing with the, you know, it's it's crazy. And it, it's funny. I was talking to someone about this the other day where it's like. The Dolphins own the Patriots in Miami, and the Dolphins are terrible. And the Patriots own the Steelers, and at least, like, they're two good teams. So it's like the Dolphins are terrible, and the Patriots, for whatever reason, can't win there even when they're bad. So it's one of those things. The Steelers don't scare me at all. I'm not concerned about them. And I think, you know, the the Chargers don't even have Melvin Gordon right now, and they still look like they're firing on all cylinders. And so it's like they're a scary team. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the Chargers playing in New England – in the AFC Championship game, because you know the whole the whole Kareem Hunt thing is interesting. Once you get to really intense competition, and we'll see what happens Thursday night, of course. But like, yeah. I don't know. I think I think that the Chargers might be a better team than the Chiefs and more equipped. And you know, I know Reed's a good coach and everything else, but this is around that time where Andy Reid's team seemed to fall apart too. So you know. Yeah, we we talked about that. You know, that is a very interesting and valid point. And, um, you know, we talked about that a while. And I'm just curious to see what the Mahomes factor is going to be for Reed and the Chiefs and everything. Right. Because the Alex Smith and I, you know, growing up a Washington fan, obviously, on this show, we talked a little bit about Washington. I'm not I'm not as big of a Washington fan, given this. It's so hard to root for Snyder, man. It's just so hard to root for. You know, it's like any any week, as I've said on the show a few times, any week where Dan Snyder goes home in a bad mood on Sunday, I feel little good about that right so it's like a co- complete conflict of interest for me for you know for everybody right. but um you know alex smith going there oh my gosh man it's it's kind of brutal to watch him play football at quarterback man it's just and and yeah. you know i think reed is so good and i think you know this this chiefs team was so primed because they seemed like an almost like a too young to be concerned um about right. thing right they're, they're too young to understand how big and how pressure filled the moment was but you know one guy makes a mistake you know months and months and months ago and you know all this stuff comes out we see the video and now the whole conference is shaken up so very interesting right. stuff let's get back to the patriots so i want to ask you about the um the impact of uh gordon and um sony michelle um on this offense what what kind of uh impact do you think they've had um, you know, certainly I, I know Gordon has helped the, the receiving core. Maybe, you know, he's not putting up those like Randy Moss type stats, maybe not even Gordon in Cleveland type stats, but no, the, yeah. the, the amount of coverage that he draws and, and his ability to open things up, you know, for everybody underneath as well has got to be paramount. Well, I think you saw it against, against the Dolphins. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where once you get Gordon going and once Gronk is going, they're a hard team to stop because then you have to cover White out of the backfield. You got to cover mm-hmm. Edelman. You got to stop Gordon outside. You got to stop Gronk in the middle. You got to stop Burkhead. So there's a there's a ton of weapons, and what Gordon does really well 
is he's explosive with the ball in his hands. And so, you know, Brady can throw a deep pass to him and, and that's fine. But he can run a quick slant route, break a tackle, and he's gone for 30 yards. And and it's interesting, not this week, but last week against Minnesota, they didn't throw to him, didn't throw to him, didn't throw to him, and they were having trouble moving the ball. And all of a sudden, they threw a quick out route to him or a quick comeback to him. He catches it, breaks a tackle, and picks up 35 yards. And then two plays later, he scores another 35, 35-yard touchdown. And it's just like it happens in the blink of an eye, and he's just that good and that talented. And so having a guy like that on the outside is great, but also he's really good. He's been really good at like knowing his role. So it's not, I'm just going to throw to him on every single play. And Brady fell into that a little bit before the, before the bye, where he was just throwing a Gordon over and over <laughs> and over again. And I call it, I call it Randy Mossitis where he's yeah, just right. like, nobody's open. So just throw it to Gordon. And it's like, okay, just back off a little bit, you know? And so he's done that a little bit. I would like to th- see him throw it to him a little bit more. But I think where they're at is good. And look, you got to put the number one corner on, and you have to. And if he can win that matchup every now and again, now you feel good about the chances of exploiting the rest of the defense because you have a superstar wide receiver. And as far as Michelle is concerned, he's been running hard. He's the type of guy, and he didn't have a lot of success running it this week, but he's the type of guy that he's different than I thought he was going to be because I thought coming out of Georgia he was more of like an explosive back Sure. Not, you know, powerful, but not super powerful. But he's run with some anger and some aggression, and he's really tried to run over some people. He has good vision in the hole. And so he's really done a good job at giving them a legitimate running game. And once he gets the passing game down, because he really hasn't, you know, they went through a period of time where they were so predictable. But once he gets that passing game down, they're going to be really – I mean he's a huge, huge part of that offense. And even just killing the clock at the end of the game, even just giving the, him the ball and knowing he can pick up three yards and just wearing down defense at the end of a game is important, especially at this time of year. And so uh, he's, a, he's a guy that's that could really be big for them in this run. Yeah, and uh, you know it is the Patriots we're talking about. It would not shock me at all if Sony Michelle already does have the passing game down, and they're just waiting on the playoffs to unleash it. Right? That's you know, true. They, they yeah. always they always have a wrinkle, or they always have like another look. Um, you know, to uh, to confuse teams and to pull it out if and when they need you know that big play. The, the Baltimore thing with the the formations comes to mind. Right? They, right. they had that right. they had that so far back there, but they needed it on that drive, and they got it in. And uh, there you go. I mean, the rest is history. Um, one last right. thing. So I, you know, I'd love to have you back on the show um, in the offseason sure. to talk about a lot of this stuff but just quickly so the Belichick Brady relationship all the stuff that came out during the season you know to me wasn't a huge deal um, you know I, I know the, the Colin Cowards and a lot of the, the media were, were coming out and saying oh you know the, the, the relationship is splintering and all this stuff but I think that uh, I always thought that Brady and Belichick are smart enough to know to drop their egos because the more they drop their egos and win together, the better really their egos will be later in life because of what they accomplished. So what do you think the impact has been? Um, you know, what did you think when that news first dropped and, uh, are you concerned about it, you know, coming into this off season? Well, it's a good question. It's a valid question. I think, uh, I don't know about you, Sean, I don't know if you're married or not, but I've been married for 10 years and I can tell you that there's, you're getting fights every now and again. It happens. Sure. Right. And so and, and you, you can't have a healthy relationship without being pissed at each other every now and again. It's just it's the way it goes. And so, you know, maybe they weren't seeing eye to eye at a certain point. You know, maybe things were a little bit strained for a while. But I think that that's part of what makes their relationship so good. I mean, you look back to, you know, I look back to the 2014 season in the offseason. They draft Jimmy Garoppolo and Belichick gets up on the podium after they draft Jimmy G and he says, hey, look, we all know the age and the contract situation of the quarterback. And so and not commenting, not saying Brady's name, not saying he's out. But like that was a message to Brady, like get your act together or you're out of here. <laughs> and so and and what does he do? He turns in. You know, he's in the Super Bowl in 2014, back in the AFC Championship in 2015, wins the Super Bowl again in 2016, and is back in the Super Bowl last year. So, you know, three out of the next four years, he's in the Super Bowl and winning two of them. So I think that – and you saw a clear change in his footwork, mm-hmm. in his pocket presence. So I think that that motivated Brady. Now, he might be pissed about it. He might say, you know, screw this guy. Whatever. But, like, it's his – number one, it's his boss. And number two, it's it's a working relationship. Like – it's just like anything that's going to be up and downs. I think that in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't have as much of a role in really their everyday day to day stuff as the article made it look out, you know, made it 
out to be. But, I mean, I can definitely see where there'd be some strain there. I mean, Belichick has got to be a tough guy to play for day in and day out. The players love him. You know, anyone that's played for him loves him because he loves his players and he takes care of his players and he does what he needs to do. And the biggest thing that people say is that he's honest. He's just brutally honest with you. You come in and you screw up and he says you are you screwed up on this play and you screwed that play up. And that's true. And I wonder sometimes you wonder like, okay, after 18 years, you're like, all right, but like I got it. Okay. But part of it is that, you know, he needs to show everyone else that Brady is buying in that anyone can get it. We're in the film room and Brady screws up. I'm calling Brady out. I don't care if he's the greatest player of all time. Anyone can get it if you screw up. And so I think that that's an important part of the Belichick culture. But it's got a way on Brady. I mean, you got to imagine, like he's the best player ever. You know, they had yeah. the Madden Goat series, all this. So, like, so definitely some of that might be. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say getting to his head because I don't think he's that far, like, gone yeah. as far as that's concerned. But like, you know, it's there. And so, like, after a while, you're like, all right, but like, I got it. We've been doing this for a long time. Like, you know, I feel the same way you feel. But like, do you really have to call me in front of the whole team? You know, so it's stuff like that. And I think that that stuff goes away it's not like oh i hate this guy i never want to play for him ever again it's like you know we'll figure it out you know and that's they're big guys they're big boys and they can and they can work through the problems they have on their own together but yeah i mean i think to say that they were issues i think is 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 probably accurate did the issues affect the play on the field well i mean i don't know they made the super bowl last year brady had 500 yards passing in the super bowl and played extremely well until he got strip sacked. So it's like, sure. I don't know, like, do they really have issues? You know, and then people come out with the, well, you know, Belichick threw the, <laughs> through the Super Bowl because they oh, traded, yeah, which is just on. like, get out of here. <laughs> right. So, so it's like some of that stuff you're like, all right, people like that's yeah. insane. But outside of the, outside of the, you know, the conspiracy theorists, they're, they're dominant every single year mm-hmm. and what they've been doing has been working. So yeah, there might be some strange relationship. Maybe they're not, you know, going to each other's birthday parties and stuff, but like, you know, they still love each other. They're still together. They're still 18 years strong and, you know, no sign of letting up. So I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be either. So, um, hey, Pat, I appreciate you uh, you coming on and joining us once again, uh, contributing sure. writer to the Pat's Pulpit, host of Patriot Nation podcast. Uh, Pat, man, love to have you back sometime soon. So let's get it going, bud. Yeah, thanks, John. It was a lot of fun. I'd All love right. to come back. Cool, man. And we're back. Uh, so, Sam, man, I'm loving these. Uh, I'm loving these SB Nation. These uh, team. These team deep dives. Um, you know, we'll set some more of those up. But, but uh, you know, <laughs> let's let's go ahead and just do a hard shift right now um, to uh, the Raiders and uh, the team that, for for whatever reason, I just can't. I think I think the all the contributing writers across the country are just so depressed by what's going on. Nobody wants to talk about it. But I've been trying to get a Raiders correspondent on this show. Um, for literally for months, and I can't get anybody, but I'll uh, I'll keep pushing for that. But dude, so they they finally, um, I guess this was inevitable. It was going to ha- happen after the season. They let it go the you know this past week. Reggie McKenzie, the general manager, is now gone. This is one hundred percent Gruden's operation, which we all kind of knew was going to happen anyway. But oh my goodness, what in the world is going on in Oakland? I don't know, man. I I just I, I continue to be so surprised. At the events, but the the funny thing is, I think they're going to win this weekend coming up as well. Uh, they're playing. Um, I think uh, they have Cincinnati on the schedule with the backup quarterback. But this whole Gruden thing, man, it continues to rear its head. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much exactly the way that I thought it was probably going to go. Um, I think that it's just passed him by, and they're going to try their very best to make this work because they have so much money sunk into this dude. So they kind of put all their chips in one basket and they're going to they're really going to go for it. You know, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of in, in listeners, return listeners to the show know that I, uh, I grew up watching the Redskins. It kind of reminds me of when the Redskins hired Steve Spurrier. And I know that the parallel, and we've made the parallel too, about the Joe Gibbs being a NASCAR and then come back in the NFL. But this has reminded me a little bit of Steve Spurrier. And what Spurrier did when he came into Washington was he just brought in all of these uh, these retread UF, like University of Florida players. Yeah. Like Danny Warfel got another shot with Washington. Um, they had yeah. another guy. What was that other quarterback? Like Miller. You're good with those like 90s U- University of Florida Yeah, and, and they had— Shane they Miller, had something like that. Shane— 
Something yeah, who like is, that. Who is the white uh, oh, God, wide is that receiver? receiver? The receiver, yeah. Yeah, it started oh, with I a D, like name. do something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, they brought they brought him out, you know. <laughs> they, their first <laughs> draft pick their first draft pick that season was Taylor Jacobs, a wide receiver yeah. who was some completely overrated at the University of Florida, as all Florida receivers were at that point. Um, they never came into the league ready to play. Uh, you know, the, the, so Gruden comes in and he's bringing in the, like all these guys like Doug Martin's on the team, which, you know, I, honestly, Doug Martin's is it, for this offense and what they have. He's actually producing fairly well for them, um, as I, you know, kind of expected him to uh, after Marshawn Lynch um, left or uh, got hurt over the year. And, you know, he brings in like a, a bunch of kind of these older players, these guys that I think he, you know, honestly, probably guys that he were he was acquainted with the last time he was coaching um, and maybe he scouted the last time he was coaching. I, I'm not liking um, I'm still continuing to not like what I see. I do think the Raiders might go on a little mini run, um, which is really going to do no more than kind of screw um, their own draft position. As we all know, that the, the Bears pick that everybody thought would be a nice high pick for for uh, Mac. Uh, is not panning out to be a high pick. In fact, I think the Bears might even be the best team in the conference right now. Um, at least they're playing the best brand of football. They handed it to the uh, to the Rams at home, at home, mind you. Uh, but going into the playoffs, a strong defense, a team that can run the ball consistently, um, and a quarterback who you know is is a lot better than we thought he would be this year. They're pretty good. But anyway, uh, for the Raiders, you know, I I don't like anything. But as I continue to say on this show. The good news, the silver lining here is that there's only about nine years and three games left on Gruden's contract. So there is an end. There is an end point. Um, I will also say, Sam, here's an interesting tidbit, which I'm not sure if you're following the news uh, to this degree. I'm, I'm, it, this wouldn't shock me if you did not know this. Uh, the Raiders do not have a stadium agreement for 2019. They Incredible. Don't have, they don't have anywhere to play next year. Uh, the city of Oakland, I hear, is uh, is thinking about uh, you know, lawsuit uh, if they haven't already filed. Uh, Vegas, it's not going to be ready there. So the, the the Rams, I mean, they might be the third Los Angeles team next year. Uh, I shouldn't, sorry, not the Rams. The Raiders might be the third Los Angeles team next year because they, they have to find a lease. They have to find a building to play in. And uh, here we are. It is, what, it's this late December. Games are going to be starting in nine months, if you can believe that, right? Maybe 10 months. Uh, September of 2019. And they don't have any idea where they're going to be playing next year. Only the Raiders, man. Only the Raiders. Only the Raiders. And that, the owner is so goofy looking. Him and Gruden were sitting front row at a at a NBA game the what other couple, night. Yeah, what a couple of haircuts right there, right? Oh, ne- man. Next to like each dumb other. and dumber. Jeez, like... It was it was bad, it was bad. I'm like, man, this guy's like a billionaire, right? Yeah, I don't know. Got to be close. No, I don't know about that because um, you know the the like Al Davis. I, I truly I don't know. I know the franchise is worth that much. I don't know how much he actually has. Obviously, he can pay. He can go to Sport Clips and get a haircut, right? I mean, get a get a wig, man. You could probably buy the best hair transplant in the world. I mean, get something. I mean, it's not going to help the rest of them, but. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, it's I really think bad. I think he I think he very famously cuts his own hair with a bowl. I mean, literally, I, I that's not a joke or anything like that. I, I think he like there's news. There's I've read articles about how he's just never going to pay to get a haircut. So, I mean, he looks like it. I you know I guess you know when you own the Raiders, you know you're you're probably going to get um, you know whoever you want to get in terms of women or men or whatever he's into. He, he's going to be able to to find acquaintances no matter what because he owns the Raiders. That's just the 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 harsh reality of the the world that we live in. I mean, even Donald Trump is having no problems getting whatever he's getting. I mean, look at the guy, right? I mean, there's there's not a there's not a lot there. Yeah, that's true. There's that's not very a lot true. there. It, you know, it's it, it's money, it's power, um and the Raiders, you know, they have a pretty strong following now in three cities, Los Angeles, Oakland and uh you know, they'll be in they'll be in Vegas soon. A bowl cut coming to a city near you. Terrible, terrible. terrible. Uh, speaking of and Vegas, Ch- and Chucky, and Chucky's still rocking that same, that same like weird hair that he's got too. Yeah, so that doll hair. Like I know people yeah. used to call him Chucky, but he used to bear a resemblance to Chucky. Now I think it's because he has doll hair. I mean, it's like yeah. 
It's bad. Like if if I go to like a Goodwill or something and pick up um, a doll with like really patch, like for something from like the 1960s or 70s, besides the fact that it might be haunted, like the doll, any kind of doll from the yeah, 60s or Annabelle. 70s. Annabelle. Yeah, Annabelle. <laughs> it's very thin, like wispy hair. And that's kind of what Gruden's working with. And he puts it into that visor. He's still, he's still working that visor look. He's like Gooch Givens, uh, our friend Gooch Givens, who wears the flared <laughs> jeans, the bootcut jeans for um, – I think in our text thread, I said, uh, you know, it, it really takes somebody, it, it takes like a really, you know, tough effort to wear a particular look so long that it's gone in and out of style twice. Right. So, um, so that's what we're dealing with with the visor. Yes. Yes. He's still rocking it. And still rocking I guess it. there's companies that still make them. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. They're bringing it back. And, it, you know, I, I, they're probably already making like the, uh, the Chucky, the, the wispy hair wig with the visor in it. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So you could be up for Halloween. Yeah, oh, I'd love to. Uh, speaking of Vegas, too, I, I made this. So the NFL, they're having the draft in Vegas in 2020, which would be cool. I mean, that's the year I think the Raiders are supposed to be playing, so they're giving the city a little uh, a little publicity. But that is like a that feels like a good city for an NFL draft. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that this this evening. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, you like they, so they had it in Chicago. I think t- two years in a row. Um, I never went. I used to be a huge draft Nick when I was um, when I was younger. I mean, obviously when I started writing for uh, the Underdog Sports back then, it was uh, you know the owner owned uh, NFL Draft Blitz, and I used to be a, a contributing writer for them. And I I knew the draft like the back of my hand. In fact, how I came to to write for them was I had my own draft website that was smaller, and I figured, screw it, this guy's doing it better, so why don't I just write for him? And, um, you know, I, I you know I knew the players. I knew the players all the way into the seventh round and the undrafted players. I followed it. You know, I, honestly, th- these days I don't have that much time. I have to kind of come in and come out. I'll reacquaint myself and get the Functional Sportsaholic mock draft going, you know, probably in January, February. But um, when they had it in Chicago, I, I thought it would be, you know, it, it was just a great venue and it was a great time of year in Chicago to have it. Um, you know, they, they, they had it in the parks, the parks by the lake. If you've never been to the city, uh, it's a really nice walkable city, especially where they set everything up. You have Lake Michigan right there. It's very beautiful. Um, and then you have stuff to do at night, right? You can, you can go, you know, to bars, you can go to Wrigleyville, you can go to any other city, you know, Highland Park, Lincoln Park, wherever you want to go to, um, I was not enamored with the choice of having it in Dallas. That seemed, and, and to be fair, I haven't spent a ton of time in Dallas. I think I've only been there once. But it seemed like, okay, you know, you're going to go to you know, Jerryville, and then you have to drive back out somewhere else to find some civilization and find some nightlife. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, New York, obviously, you know, I mean, the city never sleeps. So that's great. But Vegas is like, now that is a city. You go to the draft. You watch your team's pick. You go out, you head out to, uh, you know, I don't know, um, a casino maybe or a show right. or something like that. There's something for everybody, and that's another city that never sleeps. So I got to say that's uh, that's probably, I think, where they should have it just year-round. I know they're going to make well, that, it travel, but that's a, that's, a, that's a destination city to me. That and they get to highlight their new, basically their new team. I mean, it's right. an old team, but, you know, it's, it's going to be it's going to be new. You know the 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 sound of um you know the Vegas Raiders the Las Vegas Raiders that sounds yeah. good that just it, yeah. it just fits you know I don't love seeing the team leave Oakland um just from a NFL nostalgic point of view but I got to say like you know let's say in another 20 years um or maybe let's just say like a like a kid who's like 10 years old 20 years from now they're 30 and all they're going to know is the Las Vegas Raiders I mean that's just something that fits it's a brand that fits the black and the silver that's, yeah, man. That's yeah, gonna, no, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I think I think it fits fits perfectly. All right, so let's move it over to NBA. Um, I actually I, I've been starting my NBA uh, wagering my bets. I'm I'm releasing them on Twitter. I got to figure out a better cadence to do that though because I think I'm putting people off with all my my gambling talk on Twitter. <laughs> nobody nobody wants to hear about how I'm taking you know Toronto plus five or whatever it is. You know I'm taking that night. But yeah, uh, but how you doing? How you doing on it? Oh, awesome. Oh, awesome. well, then they need then they need to pay attention. Yeah, so I haven't talked about it in a while. I think when we first started our show, um, you know, I probably mentioned it, but this this the functional sportsaholic. When I first started, um, you know, this company, I actually called it uh, Gold Standard Sports Forecasting. 
and I had a whole website and brand. I'm a marketing guy, and I, it's just an awful website name. It's awful branding. Nobody ever went to it, and you know it was it was garbage. So you know, we we kind of retooled a little bit, but you know the the company is actually founded on uh, math behind predicting um, you know NFL and NBA games against the spread, and then also you know kind of expanded into fantasy football and fantasy baseball and all that stuff. Well, um, you know, the NBA stuff, and the NFL stuff is fantastic. My NFL locks are actually a little bit down this year. His, coming into this season over a multi-year stretch, I was hitting 67%, which is just ludicrous. I think, you know, I haven't actually run the numbers to see where I am um, in total this year. I'll, I'll finish it later. But NBA so far, my locks are, at, are hitting at 66%. Um, and then I have kind of volume bets. So the lock bets are also the, you know, obviously the big value bets. Um, you know, you bet more on the locks because you hit a greater percentage. And then I have the volume bets that are hitting at like 55, 57%. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm making, I'm making money. If anybody's interested um, in wagering, uh, you know, obviously we talk a lot on the get paid podcast about a lot of that stuff, get paid fantasy gambling and uh, daily fantasy. Uh, but you can also go to Gold Standard Sports Forecasting for a while. I'm going to let that URL drop probably at the end of the year. You can just go to to our website, Functional Sportsaholic, and uh, and get your links. But yeah, I mean, it's it's really a you know the the whole idea, and I have a sports betting book as well. The whole idea is you 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 wager you know five dollars, you you fund the account just like you fund like a stock account. You know, you maybe put a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars in at the beginning of the season. Uh, you take advantage of a great um, you know sports book uh, promotion like Bet Online. Um, you know, had had been sponsoring the show for quite some time. And, uh, you know, usually, you know, bet online will give you a big sign up bonus. So you put in your $200, you get a sign up bonus. So now you're sitting at like three or 400 bucks and then you just start chipping away. And my general idea is that I take 5% of my total fund and I bet that on an individual game. So, you know, if I have a hundred dollars, 5% of that is $5 and I'll bet on that. And then maybe I'll win enough and that the account will get up to like $200. And so now 5% of that is $10 and I'll go on and on and on. And it ebbs and flows. But the idea is you don't bet your entire wad on one night. You know, you, you, you assume that you're going to lose some nights. You assume you're going to win some nights. But over the course, just like the S&P, just like the stock market, over the course of time, if you keep your money in there and you, and you keep wagering um, responsibly, um, and you keep, you know, kind of following the advice and the, and the, and the plan and the metrics and all that, you continue to rise and you make about 10, 20, maybe 30% a year, depending on, you know, how you wager. If you're a high value wager, um, you know, those, uh, those locks, um, are, uh, like I said, they're hitting at like two thirds, which is a crazy high number, but, um, we've done it over a number of years. It's consistent. And then the volume stuff, if you just want to do the small bets, you make a lot of money that way. So anyway, there, there's my little plug for the betting stuff. But yeah, um, betting's back on. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. You're probably going to get more than care for. Um, I, and I'm at TFS underscore Sean. But anyway, you know, as I'm looking in and as I'm digging in to the game, Sam, you know, I'm, again, running analytics, right, looking at a lot of the statistics. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I know three-pointers are, are a big deal, but three-pointers generally... You know, you might see a, a, a you might see a situation where Phoenix will just you know hit you know fifty percent from three point and then blow a team out, right? And then they're going to lose the next ten games by fifteen points or something. So, like three pointers to me are kind of like an ebb and flow thing. I, I measure things a little bit differently. I'm not going to go into how I measure them, but what I am seeing is you know over consistency over time. I'm surprised by a number of teams, and the, there are two teams I'm really surprised by. One is Sacramento how well they're doing with respect to what they've done in previous seasons. You know, I'm kind of like looking through everything. You know, I know I know teams are, are running through a process, but I look down, I'm like, oh, man, Sacramento is like, you know, th- the lines are being affected. The the sports books are, are adapting to, to Sacramento's success. And, um, you know, their, their lines are a lot closer than they were last year because this team is winning basketball games and they're particularly feisty at home but you know have you sam have you paid attention to sacramento at all have you come across them what are you thinking about them yeah i do um i do watch them uh, quite a bit actually because they have um two former duke players and i always keep an eye on those guys but um dave yeager is their coach he was at memphis um real good players coach players love playing for him he kind of lets people get up and run um, they run a different system in Sacramento than they ran when they were in Memphis when it was more of a half-court game. Now he's just kind of letting, um, you know, swipe a fox, um, and those guys just kind of run. Buddy Heels had a whole new um, start to his career now in his third year when people were starting to call him a bust. Um, they have a really good mix of, of young guys and um and, and a lot of talented, athletic, long, big guys. 
So they're, they're fun to watch. And then let me ask you another question. I think I'm actually going to reach out to uh, one of the SB Nation um, you know, folks and see if I can get a uh, Bulls correspondent on here to talk about this in, in greater detail. <laughs> but what in the hell's going on in Chicago, man? Man, they're a mess. Um, so, they're, so they fired, yeah, they fired yeah. Fred Hoiberg, um, which I don't know if they were expecting the Bulls to be like really good this year or what. I don't really know why you make that change in the middle of the year. Um, not even middle of the year. Um, I, I don't know what they were really expecting with this team. They have, you know, some good players, but not a bunch of pieces that go together. Um, and then they bring in this blowhard who has never coached NBA. You know, he's been an assistant, but, you know, he's notorious. He was a college coach and he's just notorious for, you know, try, just trying to bully people. Um, and I don't think he knows that it's 2018. These guys make millions and millions and millions of dollars. They don't want to play it back to back and then do suicides the next day. Um, and they kind of had a little mutiny. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And basically we're like, nah, we're not, we're not doing that. So let, let me ask you about that. Cause I saw the, I saw the clip, but I've just been, um, you know, between, you know, getting the book out and all this stuff, I, I saw it, but I'm not close to it. So can you, can you tell me kind of what the mutiny was and what, if there has been a resolution or kind of what the buzz was about um, that? Well, I mean, they're doing some good PR and some good cleanup now, but basically, um, most of the team, I guess there was two guys that were like trying to play like peacemaker, um, which would be, I believe Robin Lopez and Lori marketing were kind of like the guys like, all right, guys, we know it's like BS, but we still got a job to do. Cause I think a lot of the guys were just like, Hey, you know, we're going to have a team meeting and then we're just going to walk out. We're not going to practice. Um, but I guess they had the team meeting and then they went and they had the coach, they had a meeting with the coaches. Um, and I'm pretty aware that they did not practice that day. Um, but instead, it was a time of um, communication. A time so, of communication. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I know this broke um, because, again, we, we record these on Wednesdays. I know this broke, I think, yesterday, if I'm not – maybe Monday or something like that. If I, uh, if I wasn't late to the game, it could have broken earlier. But, like, has there been resolution? Are, are they practicing again? Is the coach kind of trying to lighten up a little bit, or is he still kind of being a tool? I mean, Zach Levine is like their big player. And I guess he said that they had a clear the air meeting and everything's fine. But, you, you know, who who knows? I, I think this guy's kind of a blowhard. I've never yeah. been a fan of his. Um, it's, you know, it's 2018. I'm always, you know, you have to, at this point, you have to kind of be a player's coach. If you're not a player's coach, like the game is going to pass you by unless you have a big pedigree behind you, like a Popovich or, you know, a uh, trying to think even Steve Kerr. Um, but he's a player's coach. But I'm trying to think of any of the old birds that are still there's not many for yeah. and for that reason, you know, that you know, it's, it's a different game. Yep. What about and this is going to be I think this will be Popovich's last year anyway. So the Silver Fox. Yeah, yeah, because they're getting they're getting blown out of games. And it's just not pretty. Yeah, I mean and they're still playing they're still playing you know pretty well at home, but uh, yeah they uh, yeah it, it, that's another kind of interesting calibration that uh, that needed to take place. That's why I always wait you know probably like a month or two months to to actually start my NBA wagers because I have to let all that data hit. Um, so I'll never even wager on an NBA game until they're at least like 15 games through. Usually I wait till about 20, 20 games through. So, yep. That's smart. That's smart. Got to let it go. That's the NFL. The NFL is a little bit different because you only have 17 weeks. Right. So I usually start my betting at week four, but it usually kind of ramps up and starts to get really hot around week seven. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened this year. But I had a really nasty, um, like on the Get Paid podcast, because we made picks in weeks one, two, and three. And I had a really nasty one, two, and three. And then ever since then, you know, we've, we've been hot. We've been profitable every week. Um, Brad, on, on, to his credit, Brad had a really good weeks one, two, and three. And he's been able to be consistent throughout the year. So I think he's like 58% on the year for all games, which, again, that's insane. Like he's not just picking and choosing. He's picking every single game against the spread. He's 58%. It's, I mean... Yeah, you know, it's, it, it wouldn't shock me if he gets an offer to be, uh, you know, 
be some kind of handicapper or like, you know, work for a sports book or something like that. Cause he's nailing it. And then, That's uh, crazy. yeah, man, he's doing really well. Like for, because like I do really well, but I always pick, um, I always pick like five games a week and I'm really accurate in those five. Um, you know, I generally better than Brad. Again, I haven't run the, the final numbers, so I can't quote, but historically speaking, I'm high, you know, like 65 to 67% with those five games I pick, but to pick every single game against the spread and be that high, I got to say, man, hats off to that guy because he's doing better than I am this year. Um, NBA wise, man, anything else going on right now that, uh, that comes to mind, any big note, uh, noteworthy items or maybe NCAA basketball, anything like that? Well, I mean, the Celtics are starting to yes. put it on. Um, they're really starting to charge, which we were kind of waiting for. Um, Joel Embiid is not happy in <laughs> in Philly. Well, what's going um, on with him? Well, you know, his basically his shots are down. Right. Um, well, because they have another All Star sure. on their team now. I mean, the, these things happen. Um, so he's down about six points a game than he was, and he's oh, just. I've never really been a huge Joel Embiid fan, um, and he's well, just kind of he kind of just this. doesn't fit, right? I mean, he's like. Basically, I think he would have been – he's a better version of what, what Dwight Howard was, in my opinion, uh, because Dwight Howard never really developed the offense um, that I would have wanted right. to see. But, you know, Dwight Howard was the last of those in that area because the, the three-point area hadn't hit. The, this, yeah. This Embiid thing, it, you know, I know he's great. I know he's he's going to be valuable, but it just doesn't seem to fit to me. So, eh. Well, for a guy who's always hurt and right. for a guy who – you know, is kind of a jokester. Um, you, you'd think he'd had enough losing for those years that he was in Philly that he would be happy with whatever they got because they're playing well That's since right. they got Jimmy Butler. Like, so you're mad that, you know, you're down six points a game, but you guys are winning. You know, I don't, I don't really like that. But, yeah. you know, the guy's only been playing organized basketball, I think, like seven years. So, I mean, I don't, you know. Yeah, I, but I mean, that's some still of that a, stuff is just. I, I get it, but you know, the organized basketball thing. Look, he's 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 very talented, but the organized basketball thing to me doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, what it is to me is like a is a selfish versus team oriented mentality. You know, whether it's you're playing team sports or whether you're at a desk job and you're working on a team, you know, or you know, you're somewhere else. Basically, what you're saying is, I would I'd rather you know. I know this isn't exactly what he's saying, but it's kind of the impression that he gives is I'd rather score my six points um, at the expense of the team. I was happier before Jimmy Butler was here because I was getting my and you know what he's really saying is he wants to score his six points and win with Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler to to do the sacrificing. But the bottom line is, as a team, you win together. And this team has been very formidable since he's joined um, since, since they got Butler in the trade. So, you know, I don't I don't know, man, like. I played on plenty of teams where we had really good players and I didn't play the whole game. You know, I, I baseball growing up, I would be, you know, pulled out to uh, to put some other people in and I was happy to give that space. You know, I just cheer my team on and, um, you know, he's still a starter. He's still a star. Everybody knows who he is. He's in the press all the time for his antics and all this stuff. Like he's getting enough attention. Six points, man. Just, you know, focus on the W's. Don't focus on the, the stat line. And I got you. I told you, I'm, I've never really been a huge, I, I'm not a, I, I was never a Dwight Howard fan. I'm not a fan of the, the big jovial, goofy guys that put way too much stuff into the other crap. Yeah. You know, I want, you know, if, if you're going to be that, you might as well, you, you better be dominant as hell. It's and that's like, why I like Shaq, you know, like yeah. Shaq did some of that goofy stuff, but most dominant. You know, so yeah, that's very true. Unless very you're true. bringing that, like, I don't want to hear from you. Yeah, um, you know, it's almost like the the NBA's version of the diva wide receiver. And when you think about it, the goofy big man. Uh, you know, give me the ball. Give it's me the an stats. Ep- it's an epidemic, man. I need my and... boards. I need my points. I don't want to hit my free right. throws. Although Embiid, I don't know his his free throw is probably fine. I don't even know what it is. He's but... he's okay. He's not yeah. great. You know. Um, let's see. Other than that. Um, the Warriors are starting to put it yep. on again since Steph Curry came back. Um, the Lakers are looking pretty good. They're, I think they're going to make a move to try to get Trevor Ariza. Um, that would be good. Yeah. Although they're making all these moves, I don't think they're going to do anything this year. So I don't know if they're just trying to clear some cap space still for next year. 
Um, a lot of talk about Durant and Kawhi going to the Clippers. Um, I guess there's Clippers personnel at every um, <laughs> Toronto Raptors game. As well so there should be. At, so they're basically setting people up like front row at every game so that they – Are they sitting next to knows, So that they know he's there, you know, that they're there, um, which I think is brilliant. You know, put him in some team gear and sit him right in the front and, <laughs> you know, basically so like, hey, we're – we want you, you know, so yeah. it's going to be, it's already been a fun season. I, we're not even to all-star break yet. We're not even to Christmas games. Um, so next year, dude, next year, we're going to get that press pass for the, uh, for the all-star weekend. I hope so, man. I would that love happen. that. I don't know where it's at next year. This year, I believe it's in Charlotte, but I'm not sure where next year. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right, man. I think we could probably, uh, I think we probably tie it up there. Uh, had a nice episode. Thanks again to uh, to Pat Lane uh, for for joining us, uh, talking some Patriots. Always great to have those team deep dives, as I said. Um, yeah, Sam. I, thanks for playing hurt. I don't know if anybody, uh, you know, kind of heard the coffin in the background or anything like that. Sam's playing hurt today, so thanks for joining um, and uh, and continuing to lay it all on the line for the show. You got anything else for us? Any notes for the week, my man? No, nah, man, you know, it's just this Florida weather. One day it's, you know, yesterday it was 35 and today it got up to like 80. So, I, you know, I it's just one of those things you, you can, uh, can't really prepare for that. So it, it messes me up every year when it, I feel fine, but I sound like crap. So, yep. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries, man. No worries. So, uh, everybody, thanks again for listening. Um, once again, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at TFS underscore Sean. It's S-E-A-N. Sam's at TFS underscore Sam Van Dam. Uh, he's uh, Jean-Claude Van Dam's um, second cousin on his mother's side. I uh, We have that fantasy baseball book. Just search, go to Amazon.com, search for Fantasy Baseball Almanac. Uh, if it, if nothing pops up there, um, you know, when you listen to the show, believe me, it's going to be there very shortly. I'm just waiting on Amazon to approve and to submit. And then uh, what else we got? There was one other thing. Oh, yeah. If you're into uh, yeah, sports betting, you just go to functionalsportsaholic.com. There's a lot of information on there. Or uh, once again, you can follow me on Twitter. All right, everybody. Have a great week, and uh, we'll be here next week. Thanks a lot. Be good. Be good. Be good.